0: No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents Right Now, the featured podcast of New Right Network, mobilizing, countering the left. Energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement.
1: Right Now podcast joining us today is Ron Coleman. He's a litigator with Mendelbaum Salzburg, Twitter extraordinaire, and defender of the unpersoned. Thanks for joining us,
0: Ron. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: So listen, you know, over the past ten years, it's been the digital economy. This and you know we're being taken over by the digital economy, and yet now we have about five companies that are able to remove people from that. So um, right, people like Gavin and Laura Loomer. And uh, what are we? Good, well, I mean, first, what are you doing about that? And what are we as a society going to do about that?
0: Well, what I mean that's a that's a very wide. Wide, very wide range of, you know, juxtaposition there. I mean, what I'm doing about the digital economy is trying to benefit from it. Uh, the Internet has yeah. been tremendous for, for my practice. It's helped me grow in a way that I think would have really been almost impossible. Um, otherwise, it, it has provided me a, a way to basically network uh, with yeah. the whole world. you um, like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I have found myself uh, focusing throughout most of my career on people who have businesses or or doing things that are that are, where the internet is of great importance to them, and where people want to shut them up or stop them from doing what they're doing. So the deplatforming work that I'm doing in the cases involving uh, Gavin McInnes and, and Laura Loomer are, are part of that overall trend. I mean, you know. It's interesting how at different times people have seen me as falling on different sides of the first amendment line. A lot of people have been very unhappy with me on the Gavin uh, um, case because they think of it as an anti first amendment uh, thing to sue somebody for, for the a- corporate well, because oh, we're the SPLC, right? We sue the SPLC for defamation. So people who see things through, I think a very, Simplistic view say, well, defamation is a legal claim that is inconsistent with free speech in its sort of purest form. Uh, to which my response is um, when that defamation results in someone being prevented, as is the case with both Gavin and Laura, from yeah. so expressing himself um, in a place where a, he previously was expressing himself, and B, where he would be in a position to respond to attacks on him, that's a f- the, the the free speech issue, not necessarily the First Amendment issue, because it's not a government censorship. It's not the
1: government, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. But the free speech issue no longer looks the way it did before. It, it, these are people who are no longer free to be uh, to say what they what what they want to say or to be heard by those who want to hear them. So. That's that's how it's cutting for me. And, yes, you mentioned big corporations. The fact that the people who are putting my clients in the position that they're in now, where they have to spend money or raise money or both in order to vindicate what I think are legitimate legal claims. Obviously, I think that because I'm bringing them.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Uh, seems to be lost on a lot of people who, who color themselves as... Um, liberty oriented or even libertarians um, but I do think the libertarians have a little bit of a fetish for what they consider to be the free market I, I'm, I don't I think they have a blind spot for what corporatism does to liberty um, regardless of whether or not you think it's the free market uh, well and wasn't
1: there a supreme court
0: case corporations okay. don't really reflect the free yeah. market in anything like it's purest form Right,
1: and I mean, it, it hasn't something like this been decided in the in the in the court case, the company town uh, case? I, I don't know what it was, what, where they said that just, just the, the company owns this street doesn't mean that someone can't uh, be on that street and hand out flyers and right?
0: Right, I mean, there, so,
1: so is this so, similar to that or not?
0: Well, it's interesting that you mentioned it. I mean, the the, the cases involving company towns. Um, sort of have a funny history. And the, the court did come out and say that and said, "Listen, people live here. It really is kind of a public. It is really a public square, notwithstanding that it's literally private property." But what happened when um, over the course of the late fifties and nineteen sixties is the Supreme Court really pulled back from that? It, whether or not I don't, I don't know the backstory. Whether it was because they saw it, you know, in sort of a legal uh, 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 that sort of policymaking role that um, really does is part of what the court does, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Whether Absolutely. they saw that what, it was a bridge too far, or whether they 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 just wanted to keep it to a, the very narrow holding of the of the facts there. Um, that I, I I don't think there is any chance of the Supreme Court finding that. That these, uh, what are undoubtedly forums and what are undoubtedly public in a very sort of small p meaningful way, um, are nonetheless absolutely entitled to, to the treatment that the, the public, the literal actual public square would would, would be getting. Um the, in fact the language to that effect in an, in a more recent decision by Justice Kennedy, who's no longer on the court, was um beaten down viciously um, It was in a dissent actually or 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 um, i'm sorry it was it was in a in a concurring opinion and a number of uh, the majority uh, justices, including some of the important younger conservative justices said relatively younger in other words not as old as justice Thomas. <laughs> um, said, said no n- n- not so fast we're not we're, we're really not interested in going there and and it is really necessary for us to go there to to, 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 to make this finding I, I don't think the court the any of the courts are going to be the ticket for free speech on, on social media at least so not is- as a free speech as a first amendment issue
1: and well not as a first amendment issue right because it's you know they say it's not the government even though they're they're being um you know consulted with the atlantic council which is just about everybody on the in that group is was in the government and um and a lot of times they have a good say as to you know what's allowed to be said and what's not allowed to be said what's supposedly hate speech and what isn't um but so what how do you think this goes because this can't go on right we can't we can't have google facebook and twitter deciding what is allowed to be said and what is allowed to be heard which is most important right because with their search algorithms and all the crazy things that they're doing holding down certain websites uh, you know filtering out certain opinions you know so it's not a first amendment issue but what what is the solution? What, what's the path legally? What's the path? Is it Congress? Because that's never going to happen. So, it, right? What
0: is it? It's a good question. I mean, when we say it can't happen, sometimes that is a way of us saying, I sure hope it doesn't happen. It, 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 maybe it can happen. If it, um, you know, there is a scenario where it can happen, where it continues to happen, where um, good men um, uh, fail to act. And then we won't be able to have conversations like this. Uh, And not only will we not be able to have conversations like this and post them, we won't be able to have conversations like this because as of right now, these companies are already moving very much in the direction of monitoring private speech on their platforms. And even if it is only on a sort of statistical aggregate level, but the data is all there and the technology is there and the acceptance by us, the socialization of it is, is there as well. Yeah. That's the worst case scenario. Now better cases include the um I, I think there are there are solutions are being um attempted across a, a broad um spectrum of approaches. On the one hand there's the private litigation stuff that I'm doing and, you know, the, the, the McGuinness case and the Loomer case are very different. And a third case that might come in might be different as well. Uh, and things that other lawyers are doing who are, are very creative. Um, one of us might find the ticket. Right. It isn't necessarily for, for, for every theory to succeed. Um, I mean, one of the things that I've focused on so far is the role of third party activists who have been the sort of outsource um, resource for the platforms to sort of wash their hands of responsibility and involvement in making these decisions? Although they are, I think, not uncomfortable with the decisions, but it's- yeah, they, they just want to—they want to have a yeah. It wasn't our decision. It was, it was right. Yeah. It was look. What can we do with the SPLC? They're, they're America's heroes, America's sweethearts. Anti Defamation League. What could you know? They're against hate and in favor. No, that, yeah. no one believes that anymore. I, I mean, I, I do. Be I, I must say, I do encounter people who are not politically savvy who who do say it without irony. But anyone who's plugged in knows that these are merely political operatives, and and that's. That's one of and the and
1: the ACLU too. That's another thing that's so disappointing in this age is that these these are institutions that you know really used to uh, be on the side of good, and now they're it's progressivism and rolling over anybody who isn't subscribing to that point of view.
0: Yeah, people people um, have really um, I think got lost their enthusiasm unless they're really political for ACLU. I mean they. It seems that they really crossed a line on the uh, on the issue of protecting religious rights. They just simply don't consider that to be a part of the First Amendment in any meaningful sense, yeah. um, except to the extent that they consider it a religious right to not be in any way religious um, <laughs> in any kind of public, uh, you know, public way. Um, so that's that's an approach or a couple of approaches. There is. I think there are government. There are regulatory approaches, and I agree with you. I think anything in the order of uh, legislation is really unlikely. I think it was even unlikely when the Republicans controlled both houses. I mean, as usual, the opportunity was there to make major, major changes, and it, and it, it, it didn't didn't happen the way it should have. But it's still a gigantic political football. Congress is mostly in in the um, the mo- most of the things Congress does is political posturing these days and deal with stuff that's important to lobbyists. Um, yeah. Any meaningful, you know, the sense of these being deliberative bodies, I think no one really takes, takes it seriously. I know that Senator Hawley is trying to, yes. to, people to take it seriously, but he, I don't think he's even getting traction among Republicans in the Senate. Forget about the Democrats who are just.
1: And it, isn't that crazy? How are the Republican? How do they expect to. I, I don't to know ever, if their I, views and in, in the views of their voters, which honestly, though, I think. The Republican Party mostly hates the views of their of their voters anyway, right? So uh, maybe uh, well, they're happy with because it's kind of the Tea Party thing. The Tea Party came up against the GOP, not necessarily the Democrat Party, right? I and so been, they're happy I, to shut them
0: up. I've been – I remained an activist, a Republican activist, like through the Republican um, National Lawyers Association where I worked, uh, you know, uh, phone banks, uh, election night in, 20, in 2016, but I have not, because of exactly what you just described, the sense that Senate leadership is not particularly conservative and is very, very conservative with a small C, um, I have, have not paid dues to the Republican National Committee, you know, in maybe 15, 20 years or something. Um Yeah. But short short of legislation, I do think there are regulatory approaches that are possible, and I've written about this a little bit and tweeted about it. There are, in in my view, existing law would permit the Federal Trade Commission, as well as the attorneys general, the consumer protection bureaus of the the several states, to take action um, within the confines of Section 230. There's nothing about 230. I think that prevents that right now. Uh, I do think that people who talk about Section 230 are missing the boat. When they talk about the distinction between publishers and platforms. That's not really where the action is, because the platform publisher distinction is mostly about liability for third-party conduct. The problem right, now is right. not really defamation. Um, it's what the platforms themselves are doing to to regulate and to censor and to guide speech in a way that is offensive. So there could be a regulatory, a regulatory solution. I had, I'm not aware that anyone is ready to actually do it yet, but I've been pitching it to people whose ears I have. Um, there is a technological approach, which you might also call the entrepreneurial approach, yeah. and that is to set up alternate uh, alternatives. And you know, on the one but hand... It's a, but it's also, it's, it's a monopoly. Though
1: right, so you make an app and Apple won't put it on the App Store, nor will uh, you know Google for the Google apps, right? So you can't do that, and it, it really is a monopoly, and all and, and then Facebook owns the payment platforms, and and so you get kicked off of Facebook, you get kicked off of Twitter, you lose your YouTube account, and you can't collect money, right? You can't you have you know Patreon doesn't want to pay all right, so you're you're done. You don't exist in the digital economy. And that's the like, it's not. I mean, the, the viewpoint stuff is bad, but depersoning and taking people out of the economy. That's I, I think from a I think that's worse. Right. What they did to Gavin and what they did to Laura Loomer that. Right? They didn't just say you can't say that. They said you can't earn a living.
0: That's right. And, and 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 they were very explicit about it. You know, um, I mean, well, let so with Laura, um, although they admitted it to the, to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, but and I'm talking here about care. Um, but regarding uh, Gavin, SPLC, you know, has a very clear policy of deplatforming. Um, people who aren't familiar with the change the terms program that is part of their strategy. You need to just go to changetheterms.org where they list the groups that are involved and their, their approach is we're going to take out of the public square and prohibit or make it impossible for those people to be heard or to, for them to raise funds. Not only people who violate the terms of service of, um, uh, of the platforms but they want those terms of service to be ex- uh, uh, to terms of service to be extended to include banning over who you are, what else you've done, um, which is basically what Facebook had already already did with with Gavin. He he was deleted from Facebook, and then it's a domino effect that cascaded its way through the other platforms because of the Proud Boys, um, not because Wait, of anything you, Gavin did or said. I mean,
1: how is Gavin? more offensive than um who's that shock jock in new york what's his name
0: he just wrote a book the guy Uh, what guy in new york um he's a radio guy oh shock jock howard stern yes how is gavin more offensive than howard stern uh well you see listen howard stern got the message uh, 15 or 20 years ago he used to make fun of gays that was part of his comedy routine as it was so many other comedians and he got the message that that wasn't going to uh, to sit well if he was going to be successful so he uh, as as much as he is and remains offensive uh he recognized that he could not be offensive in the wrong direction and Gavin didn't get that message, or, or got it and wasn't interested in becoming a success at the Express of his principles. Um, then again, I don't, you know, yeah, you know, that's right. I mean, I, Howard Stern. Look, I'm, I haven't heard anything from Howard Stern. I don't, I don't listen to his programming. I have heard that he's become known as an outstanding interviewer, actually. Um, but for what it's worth. I think you and I both understand, but we need to convince each other of this. There is no objective standard of Offensiveness. Yeah. It's entirely political. Um, people are forgiven the most, in- homophobic, as the, the term goes, it's a stupid uh, term, but homophobic yeah. and racist comments are not a problem if you um, um, deploy them in the service of the right side of the political argument. So that's yeah. if it ever if we ever get in any of these cases to the stage where any of the platforms or any of those who are pushing the platforms in this direction have to are in the position of relying on their terms of service um, that's going to be the easiest part of the case because the terms of service are merely pretextual everyone yeah. who's remotely serious understands that and that's is the kind of thing that offends judges and jurors. Also, you know, if it ever gets to that,
1: right, right. And so, uh, where are you with these cases? Are, are we talking two, three, four years? Are we talking?
0: Well, I will say that the Gavin case um, is is one that probably SPLC. Can't see any way clear to settling. Um, They have changed management. So there's a a certain amount of forgiveness there if it it comes to that. But right now we're waiting for the judge in the middle district of Alabama, the federal judge, um, who has that case to issue an opinion on their motion to dismiss the case. And when that decision comes down, we feel pretty good about about um, our Response to it, especially in light of the recent decision by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals interpreting New York law on the issue of, in, in the Sarah Palin lawsuit.
1: Oh That's yeah, lawsuit.
0: yeah. That that, so that that was a great help to us. Was, we believe that Alabama law actually applies in the in the, in the McInnes case. SPLC has argued that New York law applies. Our response that was that whichever state's law applies, we. We have met the burden of demonstrating a prima facie case of defamation and of tortious interference related to, to you know, sounding a defamation, as lawyers say. But the the um, Palin case really helps us from the New York law point of view. Uh, so good. there's no way of knowing when a judge is going to decide. And on, 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 on issue you an opinion, it could be before Labor Day, and it could be before Christmas, and it could be before yes. <laughs> before Memorial Day. Uh, so, no right. when we know from that point on, it would probably be, you know, on, on the the next stage would be on the order of a year or so, I would think. Laura's case, um, there's been some procedural wrangling, and another uh, another version of that just went down over the last week or so, involving a motion to not a. Uh, what's called the removal which is to take a a case out of state court move it to federal court we made a motion to remand which says no it belongs in state court technical stuff it has why oh why well they are taking the position that we sued twitter care and care florida Uh, right now twitter is not in the case that may or may not be a final outcome but they're they're not in the case anymore. So it's it's Laura and her company, Illuminate Media, which are both Florida entities, suing a Florida entity, a Care Florida, as well as Care National. When you have a situation where both sides of the V, as we call it, versus um, are in the same state, you don't have what's called diversity jurisdiction. So you don't get to when there's no diversity jurisdiction. Diversity jurisdiction is um a way for, a a way to get into federal court. Um, The concept is you shouldn't be home teamed. Um, If you're somebody from New York and you get sued in, uh, you know, let's say Georgia, and you want to feel you have a little bit more of a fair shake, the federal courts are a little bit further removed from the state courts because the judges are appointed by the president. So you can say, I want to hear, I want my case to be heard in federal court. But if you have Citizens of both states on both sides of the case, you don't. You've got care. no home team advantage, right? right? So they said, well, you didn't really mean to sue CARE Florida, to which our response was, no, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and so the judge is going to decide that.
1: And so CARE is in a, a similar position here as SPLC, where the platforms are doing the, the unpersoning at the demand of SPLC and CARE.
0: Correct. Okay.
1: Interesting. And so, um, does the defamation uh, case have more legs because there is the interference?
0: Um, because assuming, because
1: well,
0: they be, can't make a living
1: anymore because of the def- defamation? Yeah, it's not just yeah. you said something bad, but you ruined my income.
0: Uh, but, well, that's exactly. Well, you have to show damages even if it's just a defamation case. Okay. You ruined my income. I mean, there is something called defamation per se, which probably exists in the Gavin case, because um, defamation per se means when you say something about somebody that's outrageous and disgusting, that it doesn't matter whether they've suffered damages; they're entitled to some kind of relief. Um, historically, defamation or slander or libel per se referred to allegations of unchastity, or that a person is afflicted with a loathsome disease. Um, <laughs> It is a very okay. common among – it's a common place among lawyers and people interested in these things that probably calling somebody a racist or an, or an extremist or a um, white supremacist is in that same category. Yeah. Um, but proving damages in either of these cases will be quite easy. There is no defamation claim, actually, in the Laura Loomer case um, because, SP, because care didn't – although care does say things about Laura, but with what care did – um, to Laura was really much more in the nature of a tortious interference. They said we're going to get. They picked up the phone, according to the Wall Street Journal, and said, basically, she's bothering Ilan Omar, and you can't let that happen now, can you? And they said, no, no, we can't let that happen. Care, boom, her plug was pulled. So that's what this case is mostly about. That's an awful lot of influence
1: for an organization like Care to have.
0: Well, it is. I mean to some extent, I mean, there are other organizations that have it. Anti-Defamation League uh, has, I think, a, probably not as much as CARE, but, um, and they also, like CARE, are largely political. One thing about Anti-Defamation League is that they are genuinely frustrated with the extent to which anti-Semitism is still permitted on most of the major platforms. They've expressed that many times. Uh, But, they're not all that frustrated. They're, they they are still working closely with Facebook and and Twitter, and, and they do put people on lists, you know, on hit lists, basically, often on very thinly um, thinly argued, uh, you know, mostly associational. Like the, I was just talking to somebody today who was on targeted targeted by the ADLs, and the sort of formulation they use is. People associated with him have attended events at which, and, you know, that's that's preposterous. I mean, people associated, these are weasel words, these are chains of weasel words that enable you to nonetheless um, really ruin somebody's life or career. I mean, there are people who have not been taken off YouTube, uh, but have been demonetized uh, which is, you know, in many people's cases, completely ruined their, you know, their their ability to make a living as well. Right, when they invested the past
1: decade in doing so on that platform, right? Oh, that's a that's a very. And the terms were that it was an open, and that, so they build a business, and then they're like. So you're sorry. We're turning you off.
0: Too bad. That's that's an extremely important point, and it's something that that in both cases we talk about, and, and also in the stuff that I have been writing and talking to people about in terms of consumer protection, is that mm-hmm. under normal circumstances, people who are in, protecting consumers have no difficulty recognizing that when you induce someone a consumer. Now, consumer law generally defines a consumer as anyone whose relationship with a business is not a commercial relationship. That doesn't mean that money doesn't change hands, but what it means is that that person um, is dealing with the business the same way you and I would when, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I used to run my own law firm. When I went to Staples to stock up on copier paper, even though I had a commercial professional in, uh, endeavor, uh, and even though I was paying Staples for the money, but I was a consumer. My, my relationship with them was 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 not a commercial one, uh, right, in, right. in the traditional sense of commerce, it's a, well, it was commercial, but it was a consumer relationship. And <laughs> when you induce a consumer to make an investment in, in your service, yeah, in your, in your business, and not only that whether it really doesn't matter that you don't pay to be on Facebook, you don't pay to be on Twitter in fact it actually cuts in the other direction because what's happening is you, although you're getting obviously some benefits and, and you're getting free services, you're also why are, they, why are they giving it to you for free because obviously they're benefiting from the content that you bring. And not right. only
1: content, these content creators made YouTube money right they That's, made youtube what it is
0: today they do that they have done that and they also bring other people to the platform and keep other people on the platform so they make it more and more valuable so that is a right that is an exchange of value that is consideration as we call it in contract law and that means that your you should be protected by the consumer law statutes you should be able to tr- to be treated as a consumer with respect to your relationship with that business And even though there are terms of service that give uh, all kinds of, you know, sort of absolute rights to the platform, the law historically has been, let's say historically, I mean, in the last 100 years, and all the more so the last 50 years, consumer law will say, we're not going to enforce certain kinds of terms because there is an unequal bargaining position between you and the person, especially where you have, as you put it, essentially monopoly power or at least a extremely dominant power so that i can't just say well i got kicked off twitter i'll just go on glitter there is no glitter there, there's nothing yeah. <laughs> comparable to twitter so now so that's number in terms of service issue number one is that consumer law Historically, is not all that concerned about the terms of service to 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 a, to, a, to a limit. What what they're looking for, what judges look are looking for, and regulators looking for, is is there an abusive aspect to the relationship? And the second part of it yeah, is, is when your terms of service are merely pretextual and they are not fairly uh, applied and they are not evenly applied universally. They're they're not
1: actually applied. They're only there for an excuse.
0: Right. So the, so that makes them essentially of no legal relevance. It should be, should, be, should be deemed that way. Um, so there's a lot to work with from that approach, and that is one of the other approaches. And then going back to you know, your earlier question, the technological approach, you know, setting up a, a Glitter, setting up a, another platform, whether it's Parler, whether it's CloudHub, whether it's um, uh, you know, any number of other things, uh, these are nice ideas. You, you have the anti-competitive effects, as you said, with the App Store uh, and Google Play, and then you have also what are called network effects by economists, which means that even if even if they the the, the market dominating companies were not acting in an uncompetitive um, manner, it would still be impossible to catch up because everyone is all, the network. Network effects means that basically every not only everyone in terms of consumers, but an entire web of other subsidiary systems and businesses and, and aspects of commerce are already tied into the existing companies. So you think okay. of any number of websites and services that you can sign up for, sign in using Google, sign in using Facebook. They're not about to make room for sign in using Ron Coleman's yeah. glitter. It's not going right. to happen. And, and, and that goes throughout the the, the the system of finance, the system of uh, you know, um, back end, um, it, it's it, it, the libertarian, the classic libertarian response to all this that, well, no, start your own company. Even if you accept <coughs> that these companies didn't in any way benefit from government policies or, or government money when right. they were were being formed, um, it's, it's, it's completely unrealistic as a matter of, of, of economics.
1: Yeah. Now, I and mean, I joined all of those. I, you know, I joined Clubhouse and and Parler and Gab, and but I never go on. Right. All, everything is happening.
0: I have you to know, on the existing platforms. Have to make an effort because yeah. you, you, you. At the end of the day, um, for me, we got to support them. Yeah. Twitter. We have to support them, and not only that. I I, li- I want to have alternatives, um, but. On the other hand, Twitter is where most of the people I want to talk to are, and I know that I can find lots of supportive voices uh, and friends on these other platforms, but I want to try to have some influence over people who don't already know who I am, don't already agree with me. So that's kind of what's going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's the good thing about Twitter is that you can find your way around to all kinds of people that disagree with you, right? And you can can have a conversation.
0: Yeah, they are. It's hard to think of all those times when you click through to the word replies, and then they just disappear. They're
1: not there. They're not there. I see that all the time. It's like, oh, three replies. Like, what? Zero replies. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible what they're doing. Right? We just – I I hate being treated like a child by, you know, someone in Silicon Valley. It's like, I don't care what this – Person says to me, "I don't care if it's offensive. I don't care. I want to see it. I want to have my own interactions, my own conversations, and I mean, and that was just such a basic thing, you know, years ago, right? And I mean, I got on Twitter eight years ago. I loved it. I loved it. You could talk to so much from all over the world, and uh, all kinds of different. And you learn things that you otherwise wouldn't, you know, from different people. And now it's just all." It, you know, it's, it's still great,
0: but. I think it's still great. I spend entirely too much time. I mean, I'm on vacation <laughs> now, so it's kind of my hobby. It's a staycation. You can see I haven't gone very far from from my office at home, but um, I will say that look, there are some aspects to the Twitter experience of the Twitter experience that I think regulation uh, or rather, I guess you'd have to call it censorship have improved. Uh, when things really got hot and I started getting a little bit more noticed three or four years ago, I was really bombarded with anti-Semitic stuff with really gross, really gross, uh, you know, death camp type stuff. And that, that's much, much rarer. Those those accounts don't last very long now. Uh, and That's a big improvement. That helps a lot. I mean, now, if you... If you make it anti-Israeli instead of anti-Jewish and say almost exactly the same words in many respects, frequently, you know, they'll get away with it. But I am not an absolutist in this regard. Uh, what what I think has to happen is, as you know, Section 230 was meant to allow what we call today platforms to act as traffic cops and to keep really bad actors and harassers and you know, the major a-holes, uh, I don't mean major a-holes like Peter Beinert, uh, but I. I, 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 I <laughs> oh, that this qualifies, is, but okay. You're right, but but I mean, he, he's entitled <laughs> to stand for I mean, I. You know, yeah, I know what
1: you're talking about. The, yeah, there's abusive um, people that are just there to um, to and, be.
0: Awful. Right. And then. And, you know, the problem with, you know, at least one other platform I can think of where I have friends, so I, I don't want to to trash it, but yeah. inevitably, and people from this group have, have acknowledged to me, inevitably, when you have an absolutely open forum, real hate speakers, real, I don't want to say real Nazis, because they're not real Nazis lost the war in 45. These are not real, but real neo-Nazis and real real. Genuinely dangerous and and really horrible people will flock to the vacuum. It's an opportunity for them to act out on their little fantasies and, and their you know and their frustrations in their lives. On, on so you have to have some degree of of um uh, traffic policing, as I as I call it. Even and and you can you can you can also have one that won't have that, but then no one's going to want to go to it because it's going to be intolerable. You can only you know. You can block people who interact with you unpleasantly, but that's only once you know who they are. And also if they come at you hundreds at a time, sometimes the damage in your experience is done. So it's a legitimate concern, but the utter lack of even a concern about looking fair, and also this idea that the platforms don't have to explain themselves at all.
1: That's like the media, right? This is the same. You know, the media is the same way, well, now, where it's, it's an arrogance, like we get to say, and we don't have to prove it to you, and you don't get to ask questions.
0: Right. Right. So, it's I, so I, you know, I, I think that these, all these things are things that are trending or that have the possibility of helping work things out, helping helping improve the, the, the situation. I do think that there is, inc- look, the social media summit, which I attended, Um was a political event. Okay, It was not a working event. We didn't sit around. A, a couple of people met a couple of people. A couple of people did meet with the president in person and did talk to him about uh, some of the things that were going on. And uh, The vast majority of us didn't have the opportunity to really speak to anyone other than ourselves, although that was great because most of us would never meet in person anyway. But yeah. I wish you would have had more time for that. But it was important for the president to make a to put the public on notice that um, he thinks and that, and, and that they're look, we on Twitter sometimes, those of us who are very active on Twitter sometimes forget the vast majority of the country isn't. They're not. And they're still relying on the newspapers and um, network pr- and local programming yeah. that they have done for their whole lives. And they really don't understand. I mean, I I encountered a friend, a very intelligent guy, and not a person who I think is politically liberal. uh, A couple weeks ago, who said, um, you know, he made some disparaging remarks about the president. And I said, well, what's your basis for that? And he had some kind of complaint about the way he the way he treats the media. And I said, well. Where are you getting your information other than from that media itself? Well, where would I? I said, well, social media is. Well, who would I know how to follow on social media? And the answer to that, <laughs> besides following me, you have to empower yourself. Um, we can debate whether or not you were always mistaken in following the gatekeepers, the people who ran the legacy media institutions for our entire lifetimes, and those of our parents and. And so on and so forth, yeah. whether it was always a mistake or whether it was just a reasonable thing to do, and they were more or less fair, they, how much they 've been lying to us you know that 's a topic for another uh, you know day uh, and i 'm not, I'm not, I'm not the best I, expert on that, but the point is as of right now, you know you, can't tr- you can 't you know you can 't trust these people, and you 're going to have to figure it out for yourself or if you really want to know the truth
1: but you know all the time, I, I try to um, to figure out if, like, how people that aren't as into it as we are, right? Cause I could sit and, and talk with you for 24 hours about just this, just politics, just what's going on. It's my favorite thing to do. And it's my favorite thing to consume as far as, um, you know, political content. But so many people, um, their lives are not like that, right? And they're, they're what they know about what's going on politically is like, you know, walking by the TV and hearing, you know, a snippet, right? And oh, I think, what is the of these people, right? But but it's but it's more than that, right? Because the information that they're getting is so over the top. So if you just walk by the TV, if it happens to be on CNN. You think the world is ending, right? And and Trump, and Trump is doing it, you know, on purpose. Him and Putin, you know, and so. I just, it, that's just so, and then now Facebook is curating your feed, so you don't get to, you don't actually get to see any stories that are not from these very same people. Um, and I think the whole thing that won this in 2016, and the whole thing that helped Republicans not go with the flow in in 2015, right, he can't win, he's not conservative, he's you know, the Clintons put him up to run it's like, oh my god, right, so we overcame all of that even from Fox, right, our own network Um, and and so and I think everything that they've done since 2016 media, social media, uh, you know, Google has been to make sure that doesn't happen again, that the only thing you know is this kind of walking past the TV, Trump is, you know, burning down the hole
0: well, I mean, it's very, very damning when you con- to consider the fact that after the Mueller report flopped, there was no mea culpa whatsoever. And the Times, that we now learn, did exactly what you would, in your most crazy conspiracy fever, imagine, which is they sat, they literally sat down around a table and said, okay, that didn't work. We, well, how do we change the story? And there was, there was, this was a, a a moment of incredible journalistic opportunity, and an opportunity for for, for these major media outlets to say, how did we, how do we get this wrong? What, how, what, nothing. It didn't happen at all. So, no. How do we get it wrong? Who? And,
1: and these are the people that gave us this information. This is where we're getting these leaks that were all wrong, 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 and laid out. But so, no, they're protecting themselves, they're protecting the leakers, they're protecting all of the misinformation, and then they have the audacity to write this article the other day nice. about how they're like, you know, the brave defenders of truth, and, and some people are, are outing them for their racist <laughs> remarks online. Well, it's, so, it's,
0: but the, my, the question remains, and we discuss this around my house all the time, what do people who are just the consumers of these traditional... Outlets of news, do they not notice that they're just merely being switched over to a different diet? Do do none of them say, well, wait a minute, for two years you were promising me imminent indictment. The walls were closing in. It's the beginning of the end. This was (laughs) going on in our favorite video, right? This was going on for two years. Aren't you going to at least acknowledge that something. So if you're able to, if you're consuming that and you don't ask that question, um, I'm not going to drag you kicking and screaming onto Twitter, which you're going to find uh, disconcerting and disorganized. And you're going to find out that a lot of people who you thought you could trust um, are either intentionally or in some cases very frequently unintentionally um, leading you down the wrong road. The wrong road. I mean, every one of us has uh, um, friends or accounts on Twitter who have let us down. People who we thought had to figure it figured out and seemed to have sources, and they turn out to yeah,
1: to not you know, yeah.
0: Breaking <laughs> the <face. laughs>
1: and that's on both sides too of the Twitter It's the left wing Twitter, Twitter, you know, conspiracy, and, and the right wing ones too. Right? That's pretty evenly split. The people that are that come out with all of these theories and you know taking. Clocks and and such,
0: right? I don't really statistically. I don't really know. Uh, You know, I don't. I don't know how how what the distribution really is.
1: Yeah, so some of both. Some of both. Um. So I listened to you in an an interview, and uh, you were saying that um, what you're doing now, you love this. This is uh, that you spent years in 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 corporate doing, you know. Reading corporate papers, and and now you're doing something that you really love. You're making a difference. That's probably right. Fighting for the right things, anyway, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, I think I think you remember. I think you heard me right. I think you're remembering it accurately. I mean, I, I was never all that corporate. I always had a, a, a you know a, a very flesh and blood kind of practice. Um, you know, there were times in my career where I did work for very large companies, not because they were my relationships, but I worked in large firms that had large clients. Mm-hmm. And those cases are great opportunities for young right. lawyers to develop skills, um, which I think I'm able to call on and make good use of in the work that I do now. But, um, yes, I do consider myself very fortunate in that I have work that I find very meaningful and clients that I respect um, and who are able to pay me, which is a big deal because i got to make a living. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, one other thing I wanted to ask you about is the um, – the, the case in Louisiana, I think about the Johnson & Johnson case, the
0: opioid yeah, just, case, what just, do you think about that? Just came out. Well, I you know I haven't read the decision. I mean, look, these I will tell you the very one of my one of my few reported decisions in New York, in New Jersey state court actually involves a product liability case. Right. Oh. It's not a, a, a field of, of my expertise but what I can tell you that. Whatever your lawyer knows is that as a general rule, uh, companies defending these cases don't want to be in state court. This goes back to our discussion of Laura Loomer. Um, there is always some one party that would rather be in federal court, one party that would rather be in state court. These state court verdicts can be very scary, especially in states, in poor states, where yeah. jurors do not relate to corporate America. They don't think of it as an institution that benefits them. I don't know enough about the merits of, of either the underlying case or the recent particular decision, which I just, you know, it whizzed past me like all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to weigh in on that.
1: Okay. That works. Um, well, that's all I had.
0: Well, that's all you need.
1: Oh, what do you think okay I want to ask a couple things um, what about epstein what's your opinion on the epstein debacle
0: well it is a it's a debacle and it, you know it is so over the top that <laughs> something something is wrong where, you know, the suggestion that a couple of overtired unders you know guards who are insufficiently supported in terms of staff it just fell asleep it, it's 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 very hard to swallow i mean i really tend to be unreceptive to um, conspiracies and this is to some extent an outgrowth of my work because i understand uh, as people who have who have ever been exposed to allegations of conspiracy or any or even the, the operation of large groups knows how hard it is to keep things secret in the electronic age, how hard it is to maintain confidentiality and to avoid leaving footprints on things. Um, On the other hand, when those who are responsible and who have are in the unique position of finding out what has gone wrong in in a system, I mean, look, the FBI serially deleting and quote losing, um, Yeah. Data, texts, emails um, during the Clinton and the subsequent um, Mueller investigations, the IRS investigations involving the Tea Party. That is kind of stuff that fuels conspiracy thinking and, and not unreasonably, because what's happened is the people who we trusted for incorrectly or otherwise, but who we trusted as the ones to get to the bottom of stuff like this. It turns out that they, they, they can't be trusted, and no one seems to ever, ever. No one ever seems to pay a price for disappearing information, or for even if you, even if you accept that, notwithstanding that, the, the kind of proof that is always mysteriously deleted by accident only ever cuts <laughs> in one direction. Um, yeah no one is ever held responsible for this stuff that's that's a gigantic yeah. problem and, and it's something that I actually see the president as being in a position to do something about and why he hasn't so far on that point I have I'm, I'm very troubled by it.
1: well I wonder I think about that too and I think so many people have just you know because they're in a they're in a tricky situation right Trump um can't be seen as going after and prosecuting his political enemies, right? Because that's how it'll be perceived. Um, and Barr, I think, is an institutionalist, right? I think he loves the institution. And I think that he wants to repair it. And that's probably a tricky, a tricky road for the both of them to walk, right? Because you start putting all of the- people that should go to prison of course too what are you going to do try them in dc not guilty not guilty not guilty right Jury trial in dc none of these people will face any
0: then i don't know i mean it's not as if the deep state is filling up the jury boxes okay you know juries do tend to be pulled from broader constituencies but listen That's not our problem. Our problem isn't jury verdicts. Our problem is people aren't being tried. People aren't being indicted. People aren't even being fired. I mean, the idea that you know a handful of top people at FBI were fired. Now, again, a lot of this stuff people do tend to get very upset about the timing of things. Why is it taking so long? I have an instinctive uh, feeling that Barr really does want to and is able to get the job done and I'm not going to second guess the timing until the time comes when it'll be obvious that I was suckered, you know, like Charlie Brown kicking the football. If that's the case, then what can can I do? I'll be in a re-education camp alongside with you and all my other friends. That's true.
1: Yeah. And so I used to um, pretty much think, you know, the media – Sure, they're biased, but they don't outright lie, and they're not, um, you you know, so unscrupulous, uh, right? And I used to think that about, really, about the federal government. Like, okay, yeah, but they're not going to delete evidence. They're not going to to set up the president of the United States, but they they did. And there's all
0: of the...
1: All of the things that you thought, you know, were were stable, right? Well, these are stable things that you could depend on, right? Yes. We have none of that anymore, which is why, to me, the re- the election of Trump and the re-election of Trump is, you know, it, it's, it's, if we don't re-elect him, I think we're finished, right? Because we don't have, well, mean, not right away, not like, oh, the world's going to blow up, but... Uh, our justice system is not fair. It, and it's I mean, how is it different from China, you know, disappearing people? Right. How is it any different than that? How is it any different than Russia? So we don't have an Ilhan Omar. This woman. I mean, do we even know her name? Right. Oh, well, like, is that even her name? Um, there, like she came in. There's some story that she came in under another family's name as a refugee because her family didn't get it. No one will even look at it. No one is even interested.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about that story. I, I, I've seen some mention of it. I, I agree with you that there's there is a very very good reason to feel a profound lack of confidence in institutions that we growing up really felt again, perhaps unjustifiably. But we are justified in demanding that they do be accountable, that they do be uh, effectual. And right now, they are not showing that they are. How, quite
1: how do we demand it? I, haven't we been, right?
0: I mean, do we're
1: we, demanding, and nobody's listening. Nobody so, cares.
0: So we're doing what we're doing. We're having discussions like this, and we're putting it on social media and hopefully making a few people who are a little bit less focused on the issues. Maybe someone will watch a few minutes of this and think a little bit more about it. And that's why we do this. Um, but also, you know, people like me are in a position to be able to at least probe some of the institutions on, on yes. the civil side. Tom Fitton does an incredible job um, that and guy look, is unbelievable. Does it while looking incredibly ripped? Um, <laughs> uh, oh, 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 doing, but, but it's, it's it's rather depressing that he's doing things that should be done by journalists and he's doing things that should be done by government. And he's doing them very well and very effectually, but effectively it why how easy? I don't mean? understand it. But here we are. But at least at least so far, and there, you know, there have been judges seem to respect their work and to give them, you know, a, a lot of credibility. And so they're doing, you know,
1: yeah, where <laughs> they demand information. The judges are and then they sue. The judges are siding with him quite a bit, it seems
0: frequently. But then, you know, sometimes we hear about cases where a judge, uh, I, I, you know, you remember about this time last year, a judge ordered the Justice Department to have all its most attorneys take an ethics course because they were so inured to lying to the courts. I don't think that ever happened. I think, I think, I, didn't that, that. I think that that was basically the, you know, they got the judge to back off from that. Uh, and probably, it was, you know, a discussion was had not inappropriately, but in channels of that we're not going to do that. That, you know, there's no accountability and, and if there's not going to be accountability, then whatever your constitutional rights and whatever you think, um, your aspirations may be um, become meaningless because people will get away with what they're so so far have really gotten away with.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely gotten away with it. And then, um, and, and then some of the judges though too, uh, the FISA court judges, these are supposed to be like, You know, you think the Supreme Court, those guys are supposed to be principled and, you know, beyond reproach. And I think pretty much, okay, except for John Roberts, I wonder about. But even um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I have respect for that woman. I don't agree with her politically, but I don't think she's, you know, doing harm to the law, doing law, doing harm to justice. She's not doing that.
0: No, the vast majority of judges, especially the Supreme Court. Um, they really take their jobs very seriously. And I do think there have been right. some notable exceptions, but they are exceptions. Um, the judiciary. And then, so
1: what about the FISA court? The FISA court, though? Now, these people
0: That's a are pro- secretly appointed. They
1: secretly. Hit. And we've heard zero, zero from these people. I heard nothing. No accountability for these FISA warrants they signed. And
0: I do understand that the FISA Process is one of the things being investigated now. So we'll see. Yeah, hopefully.
1: And then I noticed, too, um, really, right after all of this was coming forward, the Republicans rushed to to redo the, uh, the the law that allows this. Right. Because if they had waited, they wouldn't have gotten it.
0: And they don't deserve it.
1: I don't think any of these. I don't think they should have it. And I understand it's supposed to keep us safe from terrorism, but it's not keeping us safe from government, who arguably are doing more harm in this country right now than, than terrorists are.
0: Well, I do think that there's a gigantic amount of Trump problem with the extent of prosecutorial power and discretion, not only in the five of bread and butter prosecutorial discretion, um, uh, the fact that there are so many things that so many people could be charged with at so many times and that, you know, they could drop the hammer on almost anyone, anytime. I still remain very troubled by what happened with Michael Cohen, who is obviously a heel uh, and a very, uh, you know, a scoundrel. But how it was that attorney-client privilege was so readily pushed aside there and I don't understand why the president let that happen but when I say I don't understand I'm not using it rhetorically I'm saying I do not understand meaning that I might come to understand maybe maybe facts will come out at some point in history maybe not even during this election cycle or the next one but maybe someday I'll understand as of right now I don't understand
1: but what do you mean how the president let that happen I mean Mueller raided the president's attorneys
0: Right. But the president, I procedurally speaking, could have um, there were there are options in my view, not as a, I wasn't deeply uh, studying it. But I know that if it were my client calling me up and saying, you're not going to believe what happened, Ron, the, the guy that I use for, for deals um, was just arrested. And he's now opening up all my client files. Now, one of the issues I think, think seems to be it's not clear that he was really acting as an attorney as much as a sort of a business advisor. I just don't know. I do yeah. think that the people who I expected to find speaking up and, and objecting to a, what seemed to be a rather, seemed to be a rather casual disregard for the attorney client relationship. Yeah. Um, I thought
1: I was, on, I was shocked by that. I was,
0: and, and nobody, nobody said anything like, like, Hold up! That's not but, true. It wasn't nobody, but it wasn't. It wasn't very few chorus of, of of offense that I would have expected to have heard um, saying over that. Over,
1: I mean, that's big.
0: So, so there's a lot it, about what's going on with and inside the system, systems that we rely on for the rule of law, yeah. uh, and the rule of law is so. Central to the other institutions in our in our in our um in our society that have not have not um, demonstrated a great deal of reason for us to continue to have in, have confidence in them. That's it's a problem.
1: Well, it is a problem too because you know you start thinking there really aren't laws, right? There are.
0: Well, there are laws for some. There are people a,
1: who are there are people who are prosecuted and and then you know there are those aren't really laws those are people that we can use them against similar to the terms of
0: yeah, service we got, we got, we've got our pants full
1: yeah, we do well look, thank you so much for joining yeah. us today really Thanks. really appreciate it and um, okay take care of so bye, bye. You.
0: you've been listening to New right network mobilizing countering, energizing online at newrightnetwork.com.